love. We thank you for your forgiveness. Father, we thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the fact that that's true, that it really did happen. And because your son was crucified, was buried, was raised, we know that we also can have eternal life. Father, I pray that as we go through this text today, as we read your word and as we preach your word, Father, I pray that you will just reach down, you will touch us with the truth and the majesty of this text. Father, help us to understand, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that what we read in the scripture, all of it, is completely, forever, eternally true, and that we can rest and trust in your word. Father, I pray today that you will build us up, not just for this morning, but for the week and for our lives, to help us to know that we trust in your son who was crucified, buried, and raised, then we can have eternal life and live our life for you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 19. It's um, it, it seems like with just the first word, moreover, that, that I mean, he's, he's moving from, a, from one topic to another one. And you remember how uh, we were focusing on all of the things in their life, the lives of the Corinthian Christians, the believers there in Corinth, that were a negative aspect of their Christian life. And the Apostle Paul was doing what he could to give them enough information and enough truth that they could correct those problems. Well, it seems like he's kind of moving to a different idea here. But in this idea, he is also working to correct a problem in their life. And so if you have your Bible uh, and you're able, open to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And if you're able, uh, please stand as we read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 19, the Word of God. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scripture, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead did not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In 
if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its application. Father, bless it today as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it seems that there were some, <coughs> that there were some in the Corinthian church that were saying a couple of things about the resurrection. One of the things was that it really wasn't going to happen, that God couldn't make that happen. One of the things was that, um, that either uh, it had already taken place or it was going to take place at death. Okay? So what they were saying was, you've missed it or it's not coming yet. Or the, the resurrection of, of people can't happen, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but it can't happen because, because uh, so many people were maimed and, and burned and, you know, uh, and, and lost at sea and those kind of things, that there's no way that God could gather all of the parts of their body and bring them back together to resurrect their body, okay? Now, now I have an opinion about that, and I'm right. I'm right because the Scripture, I, 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 I place my faith in the Scripture, okay? If God said He's going to resurrect our body, guess what? God can do it, and God's going to do it. He's not going to tell us that He's going to do something He can't do, Right? God's not that way. And also, think about this. Okay, so I'm like ahead, like eight pages in the notes. Okay, but it's okay. Think about this. What did God create Adam and Adam from? The dust of the ground. So if we go back to the dust of the ground, do you think he cannot put us back together and make bodies again? Absolutely. And, and, and what does he do before you're born? He creates you in your mother's womb. Wow, pretty cool, huh? If he can do all of those things, both of those things, then do we not think that he can take a body that has been dismembered and put it back together for, uh, for resurrection to heaven? Absolutely. So to me, that argument is just like ridiculous, okay? It tells me that those people who said that don't really have a very strong faith in God as the creator God. And, and for those of us who, uh, who worry about that, have you heard this, this myth? because it is a bit of a myth, because um, I Googled it, that our bodies regenerate themselves every seven years? Well, most of it is not that long, right? Uh, because guess what? I mean, have you ever scraped your hand? What happens? You grow new skin, right? Right? And even if you don't scrape your hand, guess what? Skin flakes off. The cells, they regenerate. Your blood does the same thing. Your bones, they do the same thing. They're only... Uh, there are a few, but I remember two that do not regenerate, and I wish they did. Um, for my sake and for your sake, uh, it's your brain. <laughs> Those cells, we, what you were born with, that's what you got, all right? So, so if you lose brain cells because of pregnancy, guess what? You're out of luck, okay? They don't regenerate. I don't believe that happens, by the way, but I've heard that, okay? Um, and, and guess what else doesn't regenerate? It's your eyes. Don't we, don't we wish they did? But those are at least two things. I think there's a couple more that don't regenerate over your lifespan. Some of them take like hours. Some of them take like 50 years, some of those cells to regenerate and to replace themselves. So if that's true, that, that there's only two or three different kinds of cells that don't regenerate, your eyes, your brain, and maybe a couple more, then do you have the same body that you had when you were five years old? You don't, do you? I say all of that to say that if God can do all of that, he can regenerate a body for you in the resurrection, right? 
So when people say, I don't believe in the resurrection because God can't make it happen. He can't give me a body and bring it back because, you know, well, guess what? He gives you a new one every, every 8, 10, 12 years except for your brain and your eyes. And that's why I wish for, I said for you guys, because some of you had bad eyes, I wish for the brain for me, okay? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. I love this picture here because what we see here, um, and so, so the Apostle Paul is tackling that problem here, that some of them don't believe in the resurrection. And honestly, guess what? If you don't believe in the resurrection, it's all gone, right? I mean, why believe in anything else if you don't believe in the resurrection? And what he says here at the very end is, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of, of all men the most pitiable. If there is no resurrection that we put our faith in Christ for a resurrection, then guess what? And it's not happening, it's not true, then guess what? You know, we're living our life on false hope. The good news is, and he presents it here, and we're going to talk about it, is the resurrection is true. It will happen. And we're going to show you some evidences that, 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 give, us, um, uh, that give us hope that that is true. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You see, there's so much in there, you can break that down into, into phrases, but I wanted to read the whole sentence to you, okay? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, I declare to you, you know what that means? I make known to you. What he's doing here in this word, uh, declare, is he's saying to them, I'm telling, you a, I'm telling you as if for the very first time. Making it known because it seems like they didn't know it. Right? I mean, we, we <laughs> Kathy will tell me something sometimes. And she'll go, she'll, and I'll go, you didn't tell me that. Ever happened to anybody else? Somebody tell you something and you go, Wives, wives, you're looking at your husbands. I tell you what, I, I, you know, I, it, I mean, it's true for me, okay? I don't know if it is for any other husbands or not. When the wives tell you something and you go, you didn't tell me that. I didn't hear that. Well, Kathy will say those things to me sometimes. She'll say, I told you, and I'm going, yeah, but I didn't know. And that's what happened here, okay? Now, there's, there's, I mean, and it's, it, she may have told me. I'm not doubting that because my wife's not going to lie to me. She might text me during a prayer, <laughs> but she's not going to lie to me, okay? Um, <laughs> and so when she says, I told you, I have to believe that because she's not going to lie to me. But did I know it? Maybe not. Why did I not know it? Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to her. Maybe I wasn't listening strong enough. Maybe I didn't write it down because this brain's not regenerating and not helping me remember things. But for some reason, I did not know it. The Apostle Paul told them, he preached to them for a year and a half in Corinth, teaching them the ways of God and about all this stuff. And he says to them, I have to preach this to you as if you've never heard it. That word in there, uh, I declare to you, is I make known to you. Okay, that, that root word is the word gnorizo, G-N-O-R-I-Z-O, which, um, if you translate it into English, which is related to the word we know of as no, gnosis, gnostic, okay? Those who know a lot, okay? Those who base their faith on knowledge. And he says, guess what? I preach it to you like you never did know it. There's a reason why he has to do that is because they're living like they didn't know it, Right? As far as Kathy tells me, uh, hey, don't touch this because it's either hot or I just painted it. And I touch it, guess what? She's going to assume, one, I wasn't listening to her well enough to know what she said. And she's probably right. 
And apparently, they were not living their lives, and we see it from the evidence of the past text, the past, the, the chapters 1 through 14, that they weren't living their lives in such a way that they really, really, really knew that the resurrection was going to take place. So he has to go over it again, but it's as if they'd never heard it before. I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. And we're going to go over what that gospel is, that, but I'll tell you right now. That gospel is Jesus Christ was born, the Son of God. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was buried in a tomb and on the third day raised so that we could have eternal life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And he says, I preach to you as if you've never heard it, this gospel. And if Christ was raised, we'll get to all this. If Christ was raised, then guess what? He's going to raise us from the grave also. I preach to you. I, I, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you for a year and a half, which you also received. They accepted it. They received it. They believed it. In which you stand. You stand. You, you stand in something. You have faith in it. Okay? in which you stand, by which you also were saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. Now, I, I love this whole idea here because um, uh, I, I look at that idea of holding fast as being strong, as finishing well. Um, and, and, and a lot of times in the Scripture, this standing and holding fast, and the Apostle Paul uh, told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7, um, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have run a good race. I have finished the course. I, um, I have a friend who runs races with me. You knew I'd get to one of those, didn't you? And, um, and what I've learned is I've got to watch for him over my shoulder because at the end, he's just going to fly right by me, okay? Um, I don't know if he just holds out or if he just reaches down a little bit deeper, you know? And so what I'm learning is I have to reach down a little bit deeper too. When I'm at the end of that 5K and I've got a tenth of a mile or a, a two-tenths of a mile to go, that's when I need to reach down a little bit deeper and kick in that extra stuff that I didn't think I had. And the Apostle Paul says that's where he is. That's where he was when he wrote this. In fact, if you look down into... Um, uh, by the grace of God, verse 10, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. You see, he started later in life than some, sharing the gospel, preaching, and teaching, because he was first a persecutor of the church. He was very proud of who he was, and he would arrest, have Christians arrested and have them put to death, and he, he started later, and now he's going to labor more abundantly, harder than any of the other apostles, he claims, and, and he says it it's in the scripture, so you got to believe it, and and, and so he's not going to give up. He's going to labor harder and harder and harder. You know, at the end of the race, that's the hardest time it is to kick in a little bit extra. And um, uh, my youngest and his wife bought me a birthday present uh, a few years ago or a Christmas present. And it's just a black shirt with a few words on it. And they say, strong to the finish. Strong to the finish. And for all of us, that's, a, that's an amazing challenge that that as we age, we're going to be strong to the finish. Now, I got to tell you, there are some people when they take off at the end of that physical race, they're going to pass me even though I'm giving everything I've got. They're still going to run harder at the end of the race than I ever could. And so when I say strong to the finish, for you, strong to the finish is going to be different than somebody else strong to the finish. So if you're running strong to the finish in your Christian life, 
then then don't let me say to saying this say to you that I don't believe you're running strong to the finish. If you're serving God strong now as much as you possibly can, you're running strong to the finish. Don't give up. You know, you get to that end of that 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 race and you're almost there and you think I've got nothing left. I'm just going to I'm just going to stop. The apostle Paul said, "I have finished the course. I've run the race." And to me, that's a huge challenge. I don't want to be the the Christian that at the end of my life I give up, that at the end of my life I stop serving. I, I, I want to run hard and finish the race. And for a, an actual race, the way I do that is, the way I need to do that is to do some extra workouts. Well, parallel that to the Christian life. The way I make sure that I can run hard and finish strong at the end of my life is to do some extra workouts. May not be a full a, a pastor, at, you know. I'm going to retire here someday, um, but even when I retire, I want to finish strong. I want to run hard to the last, and and so we can we can all take that as a challenge. Hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, I'm going to look at this text, and and I'm going to go down into um, uh, the rest of it, um, and because I have this this thought. If you believe in Christ, and I believe this is scriptural too, if you believe in Christ, you have trusted in him as your Lord and Savior. You have given your life to him. You've repented of your sin. By the way, that's really important, okay? Just coming forward and saying, I want to get baptized so that I can be a member of the church, that doesn't do anything for you, okay? In fact, it might do you some harm because you might go, I'm saved now because I got baptized. No, the baptism waters don't save you. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves you and faith in his blood as what washes away your sin, okay? And so if you have faith in Christ, guess what? And you believed in him, faith, belief, then it wasn't in vain. It can't be. That's impossible. The only way to believe in vain is if you believe in something that is not true. The only way to believe in the gospel in vain is to if it is not true. And the Apostle Paul says that if in this life only, only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. In other words, if, if, if we believe in Christ, in His blood and saving us and giving us eternal life, resurrecting us, and all it does is give us a good life here on earth, then we're pitied because guess what? We're pitiable because there is no resurrection. You follow me? Believing in Christ is not a vain thing to do unless Christ is not the Son of God and he was not raised. So he says, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. I delivered to you, first of all. And you think about what the Apostle Paul means by that. The first thing that he's talking about is that he delivered this. That's what he preached to them. I didn't preach to you any other thing except Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Remember what he said? Uh, I purposed to preach nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Think about that. It wasn't something he made up. It wasn't something he, he, um, uh, he dreamed up. He received this. You think about his, his experience on the Damascus Road. Can you imagine that? He's going to Damascus to find Christians. Christians who, um, who he wants to arrest and throw into prison so they can be executed. The Lord Jesus Christ 
comes at him in a bright light, knocks him on his, uh, on his back, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard to kick against the goads. In other words, Paul, Saul at that time, had seen and heard everything he needed to see in order to do what God had called him to do. He knew the scriptures. He knew about Christ. He knew all of this stuff, and yet he was kicking against the goads because he was getting those prods, but he wasn't being obedient to them. And so God reached down in a great way, sent Christ to speak to him, and Christ appeared to him on that Damascus road, gave him some of the gospel, and then for three years he was in the, in the desert of Arabia. He didn't go to the apostles to get it from them, to learn it from them. He didn't make it up himself. He was in the desert of Arabia listening to what God was teaching him. He received this truth that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And I love that picture of according to the scriptures. Because what he's talking about here, according to the scriptures, is the Old Testament. Christ died for our sins according to the Old Testament. You remember what happened um, on the Emmaus Road. Uh, the two apostles there, Christ appeared to them, and he shared with them everything that must happen to him, beginning with Moses and the prophets. In other words, Jesus taught to them, taught to them everything that the scripture said about him in the Old Testament beginning with Moses and the prophets, okay? So, so what we see here in all of this text is we see this testimony of Christ, that he, and we see it in the scriptures, according to the scriptures, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. All three of those, we see those in the Old Testament. You can check them out. Um, I'll give you a couple here if I can find the notes, um, just a couple of, uh, of references. Genesis 3.15, you can write these down if you really want to, Genesis 3.15, uh, and in Hebrews uh, 2.14, we see uh, its fulfillment. Uh, Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Spoken in Matthew 27.46, we see in Psalm 22.13, verse 16 and 18, um, they gaped at me with their mouths as a ro ravening and roaring lion. Dogs have encompassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They part my garments among them, they pierce my hands and my feet. Uh, we see that in Luke 23, 34, John 19, 23, and 34. Um, uh, he keeps my bones, not one of them is broken, Psalm 34, 20, and John 19, 36. They gave me gall uh, for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to, vinegar to drink, Psalm 69, 21, uh, fulfilled Matthew 27, 34, and Mark 15, 23, and John 19, 28. I could go on and on and on with all of those, but, um, but what we see there is that in the Old Testament, in, in um, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is prophesied. So we see the Old Testament as testimony of all of this. Okay, you got that? Now, we also have another person testifying of all of this because who told the apostles what was going to happen? Who told his, his disciples what was going to happen? Jesus did. At least three times in the Gospels, he told them that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be buried, and then he was going to rise again at least three times. So the Old Testament testifies of Christ. Jesus testifies of Christ, and then there's more that testify of Christ because it says, um, and he, then he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Then he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Now, I want you to see, before we uh, get to that resurrection part, I want you to see that, that he died... Um, as he died for our sins, he died as our ransom, 
and he died as our propitiation. You see, he died for our sins to wash away our sin so that we could be forgiven of our sin because we cannot stand in the presence of a holy God with sin. Okay, so he had to die to wash that sin away. He died as the ransom because there was a price that had to be paid. There was a price that had to be paid for our sin, and he, by dying on the cross, paid that ransom for us. He died as our propitiation. And you know what a propitiation is? It's the, my favorite word in all the Bible. Yeah, because what a propitiation is, is, is a, an appeasing of an anger, all right? And, and in this case, it's the God who was angry appeasing his own anger by taking on our sin and our punishment himself. Now you know why that's one of my favorite words in the whole scripture. The God who was angry about our sin, appeasing his own anger by taking on his anger and, and covering our punishment for our sin. What an amazing thing. So he is all of those things. He died for our sins. He's the ransom for our sins. He's a propitiation for our sins. And, and we see the testimony of that in the Old Testament. We see it through Christ. We see it through... Um, through the apostles and through many other witnesses. They testify of the resurrection of Christ. And the last one that testifies of the resurrection of Christ was the apostle Paul. Last of all, he says in verse 8, he was seen by me, by me also, as one born out of due time. As one born out of due time. Because you see, the apostle Paul didn't see Christ during that 40 days when he was walking on earth after his resurrection before his ascension. Okay? Paul, after that time, was persecuting Christians. He was trying to get them arrested and put into jail and even put to death. And God, in his mercy, sent Jesus to appear to the Apostle Paul as one born out of due time. Didn't get to see him during those 40 days because he wasn't a believer at that point. And now Jesus comes to him and he repents and he begins to follow Jesus. And he lives his life in such a way that we have, what, 13 different letters written uh, in the New Testament because of him. We have so many churches that were planted and the gospel spread so far that, that Satan couldn't put a stop to it because of the Apostle Paul. And yet he says this, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. All of the other ones, guess what? They were called apostles because Jesus had appeared to them also, but they didn't persecute the church of God. They may have... They may have forsaken Jesus in his time of need, but they didn't persecute the church of God. So he says, I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Guess what? By the grace of God, we can all say that. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Not because of my own goodness or worthiness or because I'm so good at something. No, by the grace of God. I am what I am. And I, I, I tell you what, I'm thankful for that because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Okay? In sending Jesus to die for our sins, God leveled the playing field. Not one person has a better chance than any others because it's not based on how good looking you are. It's not based on, on, on how uh, fast you can run. It's not based on whether you can slam dunk a basketball or throw a football 100 yards. It's not based on any of that stuff. It's not based on how smart you are. It's based on whether you place your faith in Jesus Christ because of what he did for you. The, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. For by grace I am, 
for by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, listen to this, his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, he trusted in Christ who was raised from the dead, okay? But I labored more abundantly than they all. Day and night, laboring, tiring, going to places where he was persecuted, uh, beaten, whipped, shipwrecked. I labored more abundantly than them all. He, you know, you think about that, that verse, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that a great verse? But one of the reasons that's such a great verse is because Paul's not just talking about, about shooting the free throw to win the basketball game, okay? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, what he's talking about is I can labor abundantly whether I have plenty or whether I have nothing. I can live in the best of times and in the worst of times, okay? I can live with plenty. I can live with nothing. I can do all of that by the grace of God, okay? I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. You believed. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? You believed, but now some of you are saying there's no resurrection from the dead. Okay? You know what the difference between Christianity is? Christianity is between all other religions. The other religions just teach you how to be a good person on this earth. They don't promise you an eternal life. They don't promise you an eternity in the presence of God and of our Savior and of the Holy Spirit. They don't promise that. Why? Because they can't. And so what was happening was they were kind of falling back into that old idea. Ah, I just want to be a better person. You know what? I want to be a better person, but I'm not going to say I just want to be a better person. I want to be a better person. And when I die, I want to go to heaven with Jesus. And he said, now, if Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there's no resurrection from the dead? And I dealt with that a little bit. Why in the world would you say that? If Christ is raised, then it would make sense that he will raise us from the dead also. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not raised. Doesn't that make sense? Because if Christ is not risen, because if, if, um, if there's no resurrection then Christ is not going to be raised. Guess who God would raise more than anybody else from the dead? His son, right? But there's no resurrection. Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. That's where this idea of believing in vain is. Your faith is empty if you believe in something that's not true. Your faith is vain if you believe in something that's not true. I can believe that I can hit a fastball over the... Um, outfield fence in the deepest stadium in the world. And my belief, my faith is in vain. I can't even hit a fastball. It comes past me, I'm swinging two seconds after it's hit the catcher's mitt. My faith is in vain. I can't do it, it's not going to happen. And to believe in Christ, if he's not risen, then our faith is in vain, our faith is empty. But he is risen. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ. So if Christ was not raised, if there is no resurrection from the dead, and Christ was not raised, and we preach that Christ was raised, we are false witnesses of God because we're saying that God did something that God didn't do. But God did that. He did raise Christ. For the, if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 
And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So we see the Apostle Paul working with these people, trying to show them and convince them that by saying that Christ is not raised or there is no resurrection from the dead, that they're putting themselves in some, in some deep trouble. Not believing in the resurrection of Christ basically means you don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You know, there's, there's so much in here, but it's all in, in verses 12 through 19. It's all so simple and so logical. You know, if Christ is not risen, and who would, he ra- would God raise more than anybody else? Christ. If Christ is not risen, then we cannot have faith. That, and there's no, no reason for us to think that God's going to raise us from the dead if God did not raise Christ from the dead. But if Christ is risen from the dead, then we can have faith that he will raise us from the dead also. So, so some challenges from this. I'd be remiss if I didn't offer uh, some challenges. And one of those is to, um, is to finish strong, you know, um, Hold fast. Hold fast to that word. You know, I remember reading um, about Billy Graham, and there was a guy that was a good friend of his. I can't remember his name, but there was a guy that was a good friend of his. And this guy came to a, um, a, a trial of faith. And, um, and he looked at, at his life, and he finally decided that what he had been teaching, what he had been, been preaching for so long was not true. And he gave up on the gospel. He gave up on it. He, he didn't hold fast to the gospel. Billy Graham looked at it and he said, what I decided was there's a lot of stuff I can't explain in the scripture. There's a lot of stuff I don't know and I don't understand, but I'm going to place my faith in the God who wrote that and I'm going to believe and I'm going to finish strong. And those weren't his exact words, but that's basically what he said. I'm going to continue to have faith in him even though I can't explain everything, even though I don't understand it, I am going to hold fast to the word of God. Another challenge is to live the gospel. I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. I share it with you again as if you've never heard it before. Why did he have to do that? Because they weren't living it. Their lives were not a good example of the gospel of Christ. So the challenge for us is live the gospel. Live your life in such a way that people don't don't say to you, well, I've got to tell you this again because apparently you've never heard it. Finish strong, labor abundantly. And again, I have to say to you that for some, finishing strong is going to look different than for others. Don't look at your life and go, I have to finish strong like that person. There's always going to be somebody who, for whatever circumstance, whatever reason, is going to finish stronger than you. But finish strong. Don't give up. Believe in Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, raised from the dead, and that, listen, in this life and in the next, we have hope in Christ, not just in this life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your love. I thank you that this gospel, which you delivered to us, which we preach, which we teach, which we believe, in which we stand, and by which we are saved, 
is true. I thank you that we are not above all men the most pitiable because this gospel in which we believe is true. And we can trust that one day there will be a resurrection. A resurrection in which our bodies are, are glorified, raised, and we walk in your presence. Father, I thank you. Father, help us in this life to determine that we will finish strong, that we will hold fast, that we will live the gospel the way you call us to. Father, if there's anybody here today that's never trusted in your son, I pray that today will be that day when they come, they confess your son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior and as their Lord. In his name we pray, amen.